evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world right now. My name is MC Till, co-author of the Boom Bap Review and co-host of the Boom Bap Chat, what you're tuning into right now, number 75. We got a really phenomenal guest in the building, uh, has done some great things, is going to be doing some incredible things uh, down the line. We're going to get into all of that, but you know the drill. First, I have to tell you, if you're looking for some dope music, Head on over to Everybody's Records here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Pleasant Ridge. If you can't get over there, if you're in Australia or wherever you're tuning in, you can always check them out online at everybodysrecords.com. And as we're plugging, you know, we got to plug the books. You know, we write books every year about the boom bap hip hop that we love. This is volume two right here. Boom. Boom bap review volume two. You can get it. You can get volume one. And volume three is on pre-sale. You can pre-order it right now. Save some money if you get it now. You can check that out at boom bap review. Com. As always, in the room, we have co-host Profound. Profound, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, brother. How you doing, too? Man, I'm doing very, very well. Our brother, Iomas Marad, has the night off, so he's chilling yeah. with his family. So peace and love to him if you're tuning in. Peace, Io. Yo, our guest, and I'm so excited that he is here on our 75th uh, episode of the Boom Bap Chat because... I grew up just loving Pete Rock and CL Smooth. I've just been a huge fan of them for ages. Their albums, all, even though they only put out a few albums, I just love them to death. And Pete Rock makes dope beats for a lot of cats, but it's rare when a cat jumps on Pete Rock and does a full album, a full project, and you're like, wow, this is this is phenomenal. This is amazing. This feel it kind of gave me the same feeling I got when I listened to Pete Rock and CL back in the day. And that's saying a lot because I love those guys together. Uh, and this MC is just getting started. I can tell much more than an MC. He's got a lot to say. He's got thought provoking lyrics. He's inspiring, he challenges you. He does all that and more. We're going to get into all that. So please, Profound, you and I, we got we to clap it up big time tonight. Yep. Just two of us. Please give a nice, warm welcome to our guest, Amir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real fast. Yeah. Amir, yeah. welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, all brothers, for having me, man. For real, man. It means a lot. Yeah. No doubt, man. No doubt. Really appreciate you being here. You know, we call this the Boom Bap Chat. So we're always curious uh, of our guests, what that term means to them. Uh, have you thought about this before? What, what does Boom Bap mean to you? Um, It means... Uh, well, I think it became monetized and to a degree. Well, it was never boom bap, it was always hip hop, right? So when boom bap was what commercial labels would call it when they didn't, you know, they tried to put a title on a feeling about or a particular soundscape that was used in hip hop. Um, boom bap does talk about a certain pocket, but I know what to some people essentially what it would mean is like it, you're in a like a pure space with with your music and how you kind of maneuver it's kind of closer to um those uh that era of like you're close to hip-hop in this pure form of beat artists and no additives no preservatives boom back to me what means that <clears throat> you're close to the soul of hip-hop close mm -hmm. to the very you know you're pulling from that so Boom back to me specifically, which is, which is subjective, you know. Um, when we talk about the break dancing, the graffiti, the music, and all of that is, you know, being combined to combine with boom back culture, supposed to me, but or hip hop itself. But boom back to me is a certain type of production too. Um, 
and of course, when you got like a Primo or a Pete Rock or certain guys that, or a Jay Dilla or Alchemist or heat makers and guys that produce those records that hit you <clears throat> like that, you know, to me, that's what Boom Bap is to the, to the amendments. Yeah. It, you know, it, it made me think about like tight, like labels, you know, that we place on. Do you think hip hop has, has, you know, I don't know what the word is, evolved, I guess, into a place where you think it needs these like subgenres and these labels uh, to describe the different styles of hip hop that are out there. If you would even call them, call that hip hop. Um, I like the evolution of it. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not against what it's becoming or what it came from. I think <clears throat> when you put corporate influence on it, it takes away. There's a corporate influence versus an artistic influence, and you have this tug between what is artistically um, correct or um, accountable versus what, you know, their bottom line is a dollar, right? So that I'm here to make profit. So regardless of what, you know, the masses, um, you know, what you feel in your heart or your soul, that doesn't matter if it's not putting money on, you know, in somebody's wallet in some of the buildings. But, you know, boom back culture doesn't play by that, those same parameters, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, it, it, some people can't survive in, in boom bap culture and still make it to those stages, but it's not an everyday occurrence. So you just got to be, you know, thankful that when you're in a position to be heard, that, that you do the right thing with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like that. Do the right thing with it. Yeah. Uh, for people that have not heard your music, how would you describe the production that you you tend uh, to lean towards and record to? <sighs> I like soul shaking production. It doesn't, and it doesn't be a sample to be soul shaking. You know, I like stuff that evokes or invokes emotion, good, bad, or ugly, just to a point where you feel it. I like music you feel, like really feel, like me personally. That's things I naturally gravitate, those type of sounds. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. Well, I, I certainly gravitate towards uh, the stuff you're gravitating towards because you're the stuff you putting out is dope. Yeah, profound. You feel me? Um, profound. Mm -hmm. Want to swing it to you? Uh, you know, we talked about production a little bit. Any any uh, questions from the lyrical side of things? Um, you know, just do you have? Um, I know as an MC, sometimes I I I've struggled with this when you're putting together your content do you find yourself at times caught up in trying to be too clever with the words? Sometimes I know I have that issue a lot, man, where I might have to step back off of something sometimes. Cause it's like, okay, I think I'm overthinking it right now. Like I'm trying to be too witty right here, or I'm trying to make this metaphor fit. And it, you know what I mean? And I, I like to, I like to ask MCs that like, do, is that something that's universal? Um, for me, that used to happen to me a lot, but, um, you know, I, I made a promise to myself years ago to never overthink or underthink that I'm doing something creatively, right? And I live by that when I create. Anybody will tell you that. I don't overthink, underthink, really just hit the button and go. If I got to come back and make, like, uh, technical corrections or make sure that I'm my enunciation proper or I'm in pocket, but that initial attack i try to attack on like one stream of consciousness right i don't i really and then um 
and not I'm not a spiritualist, right? But I, I'm I'm gonna say this to you, right? For me, I came to realization this year, like as I, you know, when you re, when you're recording records that have um, a heavy gravitational pull on it, that you know, I said, admit, like, you know, when you when your voice or something, bro, I, I realize as long as I know that I'm not bigger than the message that I'm saying, mm. right? I'm a voice for the message, but I'm not bigger than the message. I will always get used by the energy of life or whatever you want to call it as a vessel for said messages or said little encrypted slick shit that I could say um, via um, music. And once I was able to take and understand my place in that and know that I will never be in front of that because everything we ever say, our words, we're always behind it, right? So physically, mm -hmm. so I had to really study, you know, what being, uh, you know, using your words really mean because I'm not, like I said, I'm not, you know, one of those guys that try to, you know, spiritualize everything. But when you really think about the effect of word and frequency and what you say, it's very, it's very, it's a, it's a, it's a responsibility that comes with it. Um, that's for us, right? But I realized that once I was never bigger than the message. The messenger is never bigger than the message. And if the messenger thinks he's bigger than the message in the van, you will no longer be used for the message because you can't be bigger mm -hmm. than this before you got here. Man, well said, brother. Yeah. yeah Yo, that's dope. So is there, is there a lifestyle or like things that you practice that help uh, that message kind of flow through you, you know, easier or naturally? Yeah, man. Um, this is going to sound like some crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, man. You good. When I'm recording, right, and people tell you this, like, this is a I don't want you changing nothing about the way you talk, the way you dress, eat, whatever. I signed you. He kept saying, you'll do that piece, beloved, you know, that you do. Don't change up because I was nervous. I mean, of course, it's a lot of pressure. You coming behind the main ingredient. Now, let's be realistic. The type of pressure, gravity that will shake any man up that understands what hip hop is. Like, bro, you're the, you're the only artist he's signed tenure in hip hop, right? As, as a solo artist to his label, right? And he's you're his flagship guy. So I had to allow that to filter first and get not really comfortable with it, but understand what it was. You know, so I guess what I'm saying is, man, that, you know, is I really just, um, <clears throat> my process, I speak to the same five people every day. Like when I'm recording, if I started speaking to you and three other people, I only spoke to the people that were I was speaking to when I started the process until I finished because I didn't want any energy outside of that that wasn't conducive to what I was trying to, you know, um, create to, to contaminate it. You know, if one of the five people gave me funny vibes, I'm cutting it down to four. Three, two, one. So at the end of the day, when I got like for the process, me and Pete did for Dope Boy Soul, it was 29 records we did. He used 13. But everybody will tell you, I spoke to the same five people for 21 grams, and I spoke to those same five people for Dope Boy Soul. I didn't, and this people were offended that I'm family and friends, I, but I didn't speak to them on purpose because I needed to be in this zone I was in to complete it, and I didn't need that zone to be tampered with. 
with somebody else. I think we should do this. I don't want to hear that. I'm, I'm dealing with the people that are part of this process. And we're going to go back. And I'm, I would look at YouTube, you know, stuff. I would do live normal life. But as far as speaking to people, that's what I did to keep myself in that, in that, um, in that zone and constantly keep me motivated to do so. Well, it, it sounds like it paid off, you know, with 21 grams, because uh, that's a really, really great project. And if you're Thanks. just tuning in and you've not heard this project, uh, you need to you need to go listen to it. Uh, it's 21 grams. And I, I was curious to know, uh, you can buy the vinyl, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's on CD or any other. Uh, <clears throat> and you can't stream it very many places. I think it's on Inst not Instagram. It's on uh, SoundCloud, I believe. Uh, audio Mac. Audio Mac. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, I took it. Somebody was able to get it and put it on YouTube. I don't care how they. I don't really, you know. Do you know why it wasn't on the uh, streaming yeah. services? Yes, absolutely. Um, for you know, sample clearances and business practice, right? There were some huge samples on that on that twenty one grams that would have eaten a budget alive, right? So we knew if we put it and then it's Pete doing the production, they would out of a multiple you know people coming at his head lawsuits whatever so we had to give it away and give it away because streaming services somebody is monetized but if they had a way you could put it on apple music or spotify and it'd be non-monetized project we would have put it there but we couldn't because we knew that the stream somebody would make some money so we couldn't put it anywhere that it, it, it will cause a uh, legal issues so we had to go the f super free ride and even on some of the mixtape um sites where you know it still was getting a little sticky, so we stuck to it that way. And his and his and his head, he was just saying like, you know, the people that are fans of P Rock and what he does will find it, and it yeah. will kind of grow and it'll spread organically, you know. And it, and it really was just really to give people a feeling, uh, a feel for how me and him were messed together, you know, to get kind of like a like layup line stuff. So, but um, it definitely shortened shortened the um, the access and visibility to it, right? We knew that that would happen, but the people that did access it and were vi and, and caught their eye, and those are the people that we know went looking for it. And really, when when time for Dope Boy sold, when it's going to be more promotion, it'll be see this is the guy I was telling you about, and it'll be it, of course that's going to be everywhere, right? So that was the plan. Is that why it's it's called a mixtape and not an album? Yes. Okay. But for so the vinyl portion was for fans. They like to collect vinyl and have memorabilia, right? Um, and they made a limited run of it. Uh, um, so, and that was more or less, you know, Pete, because he has that that following of, you know, his 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 following people snatch up his vinyls a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a phenomenal project. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So you say you talked to five people in the recording of that project. And five people in the recording of Dope Boy Soul. How long it, did Dope Boy Soul take to make? <clears throat> seven weeks. Seven, eight weeks, right? And, and what was that like? Was it kind of like going on a you know a hip hop retreat so to speak was were you in the studio every day was were you living like normal life and going to the studio here and there well you know i wrote a lot of it you know um pre-production was me um recording myself and then 
you got to go into the, the, you know, me and my man G Weeks, actually, we would, you know, I record, he'll mix, I'll record, he'll mix it, and we'll kind of do the prepping for Pete and Jamie when we take it to the senseis, and they tell us what no yay nay, right? So I recorded it, and then, you know, when you walk into Pete, um, that's when it, <laughs> the chopping begins, like, nah, yeah, no, yes. And uh, it, the first couple of records was rough, man, you know, um, not creatively, but just getting acclimated to his album mode process. Mixtape mode, he's a lot more lax, have fun, right? Album mode, he told me, he said, bro, the album's, we're not, we not approaching it like this. And I heard what he told me that. We got in there, it was me, him, and Jamie. It was strictly business, man. It was really, it was fun. It was a learning experience. Um, but he hit a different button. I didn't see that button before. And when I seen his face and how serious he was, I had to put on a different hat and, you know, and do, I had to re-record a lot of the records too. Um, to, for, um, so we didn't compromise the integrity of the sound of the vocals because we wanted it to be, you know, seamless from out record to record. So him and Jamie um, definitely took me through the Pete Rock boot camp of presets of this is how you need to set your records up when you hand them over to me. And um, I've been using that 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 uh, format ever since. You know, the album has worked for me a lot. Um, learned a lot. Jamie taught me a lot about, you know, the sound and how things should sound and how to use certain presets for my voice. So he did like a voice. Um, Jamie did like this thing with my voice. He just, he just studied it and he said, yo, you need this kind of mic, go get this mic when you record at home and you need to be here with your sounds or whatever. And when I did what he told me to do, it was, it just sounded, yeah, a lot, way better. I mean, I was good before, but sound wise, mm. it's the texture of the voice, of my voice, I don't think it changed, but it changed the way it sounded about him telling me to do these little tricks along the way. And then I was in alignment with him and Pete now. So when I turned over my vocals and we record now, I don't have to um, stress, is it okay? Is it sound right? I'm right where he needs it when I hand it over. So it's it's like handing a baton over and it becomes that. But it's it's... And once we got there, it was the rest of the album was smooth. Me and Pete was knocking out on the average. As far as the mixing and the beats, he was laying down the tracks over and you know doing his Pete thing to it. On the average, it's 13 records on there. We did about two to three records a day, right? Um, 2.5, let's say average, but three most days, two or three per day. That's no. And then we, he, 16, it was 29 records out the bundle. We picked 13. What was your relationship like with Pete Rock before uh, recording uh, this album and of obviously 21 grams? You know, I lived in the house, you know, um, the basement on Hillside Avenue. I moved to Hillside Avenue years ago and they had already left the block, right? So I came clearly after them, right? But they, you know, um, the house that I lived in, the basement was downstairs. See that? So with him and, you know, so on Hillside Avenue, like if this is Hillside where I was at, everybody know he lives on 77 Hillside. I was at 71 Hillside. So same side of the street 
one house was in between, and then it was the house I was living at, and we was there. Um, and I'm my relationship with him, you know, last ten years, man, has been a relationship of like like a little like a little brother, big brother. I never, I will, you know, I was I wouldn't harass him for beats, but he would throw me beats and stuff like that, and I would. I didn't understand this process. So I would take the beast and pick like if it was 12, I would pick one and keep it moving. Not knowing that he literally handed me over an album. He wanted me to, to you know, run right to all 12. I'm thinking, I'm not writing to all of these. I'm writing to the ones I like. And then at, the, at that time I was recording with my friend, Arsonist from the Heatmakers. Um, so, but Pete, my relationship is, is family vibes. It's not just, it's definitely beyond the music. You know, um, this is not, I'm not just the guy he signed and unites, but it's definitely, um, that's definitely a major part of it, but it's a family over here, man, you know, and we keep it and we move like, we move as such. Um, and when I graduated college in 2015, 2016, you know, sisters was at my graduation. So it's not like, you know, this is not like, a, um, you know, it's beyond the music at this point. It was beyond the music before we did the deal, but the deal, you know, I was shocked, you know, just as shocked as everybody else, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it, and then I had to take some time to recalibrate, to let it sink in, but, you know, it's always been a family vibe and big brother, little brother vibe, but it's a mutual respect for each other as men. So he'll tell me something about myself, I'll tell him things about himself respectfully, and but it's never no arguments or nothing like that with each other. We don't, we don't do that. Um, ever, it's just too much respect for each other, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, man. And for those tuning in, if you don't know, uh, Pete Rock, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Amir, but Pete Rock recently uh, started True Soul Records, mm -hmm. uh, his record label. And yes. well, it might have been longer than that, but I, yeah, been for a couple of years now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean, you know, not not back in the '90s, yeah. like nah, yes. era. Yeah. Um, and has Amir as uh, his first artist on the label. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's what I thought. So, I mean, you know, someone like me that just like Pete Rock isn't one of my favorite producers of all times. One of my favorite MCs, too. I love him on the mic. So smooth. Got that great voice. Um, and man, he, he and it's you like you are the first, you know, debut artist on Pete Rock's label. Like, did that hit you? I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier, like. What, you said you had to recalibrate a little bit. Like, what was going through your mind when you realized, like, oh shoot, I I'm going to be the. I, I was like, I'm teasing now. It's kind of like, damn. he had to tell me. He said, "Hey man, we got work to do. All that that ain't all the cheesing ain't gonna fix it unless get to work." <laughs> you know, he let me. He understood that I was excited. He let me. He he allowed me the room to be excited, and um, we had a lot of conversations about, you know, where where I'm picking up from, why he did it, um. And even on some of the interviews, people would ask, like, you know, why you? Why? Some dudes came out this year and said, right in front of me. It, the first time somebody asked that question in front of me, I was just so nervous to hear what he was going to say. So um, the interview, it, it was might have been February or January this year. And um, <clears throat> they was like, yo, why me? Like you said, like you're the first guy. Why him? And he, Pete was just like, you know, um, I gave this guy 11, 11 beats. Um, there's a, he said, of course, there's a million artists, or ten thousands of artists I could sign that would come over and work with me and do a deal. He said, but it wasn't just necessarily about just the artistry. I wanted somebody that 
as a complete person, I vibe with them. You know, um, the 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 pedigree of this person had to be, you know, mesh well with him. He said, but sonically, this is what I didn't know why he did it. He said, well, I gave him here um, 11 beats, 12 beats, whatever. He brought the beats back to me. Um, I kind, He said, I kind of heard his voice on my production, but I didn't know how he would sound. He said, when Amir gave me the beats back, he started playing the beats. You know, he alone, you know, doing his peak thing. He said, he said the beats, he said his voice on matched my beats perfectly. Where his voice is at now was a match made in heaven for where my production is at now. Mm. So what that's you know, all of those other little nuances and boxes you check. It was the voice. He was saying that my voice matched his production where it's at now. So that was a major um, reason for him pushing a button was, and how would I, I would have never known that. Like, you know, that, that you know, your voice matures and you kind of, um, because you mentioned it earlier, like his, his the voice over his beats. Yeah, he, that's what he said. He was like, you know, my voice matching his production currently. So that was one of the reasons. Yo, I can I can see that profound. I, I'm I'm sure you can see that as an avid, you know, hip hopper. Uh, yeah, I can totally see that. Like your voice, and it's smooth. You know, it's got that smooth delivery, but it's not too smooth. It's got it's got a little angst in there, but it's it's just yeah. I I can see that totally. It's right profound. in the pocket. Yeah. yeah, thank you, man. It's right in the pocket. Yeah, it's it's definitely where it, it's beyond where it needs to be. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, Dope Boy Soul, the new album. Do you have any ideas of when this might come out, or is that more a Pete Rock question? It's more of a Pete question, man. Um, but it's done. We still we still recording on. We still record all the, on a regular. Send me beats. I get get busy. Then I'm be in the crib doing target practice on everybody else beats and just knocking joints out with my, you know, people I deal with or friends and people that, you know, art, art, artists that are my friends and I'm cool with that I've been that I've been messing with for years. We always spar with each other, you know, producer to artist, artist to artist to keep yourself sharp, man. So so, so if Pete Rock came in uh, tomorrow and said, Amir, for your next project, I want someone else to produce the whole thing and I'll get you anybody you want. Who, who would you tap to produce an entire Amir project with Pete Rock's blessing? That I think would get me and stretch it out. Huh. We stomped him profound. <laughs> I would go with my man Arsonist. Mm, from Heat Makers? That's my man. I would yeah. go with He knows me well enough as a friend he would he knows exactly how to tailor the soup so i think me and him would do something crazy that's, that's dope i i love hearing like you know you mentioned he's a friend you know yeah. and you talked about pete rock and you know just kind of the family aspect there that you just kind of knew him i love that about you that is you know obviously you're doing your thing you're, you're handling your business because the music sounds great but there's a there's an element of just humanity you know Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, I think that it has to be that way if you want to make history, you want to make impactful records. You know, you can do the cookie cut beat rap, leave the studio, oh, this is fire, that's mechanical. But when it, you know the person, type of sneakers they wear, the way they smell, the you know, their clothes, shit they, you know, things that they into, it kind of makes it easier to 
to uh, to make something, for, in my opinion, make something for them. Then some people just get a feel for you and don't know you and make something crazy as well. But they have to have a feel and a vibe for you and know what you went to, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it increases the chances of you making good music. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, I think there's, I don't think we can put like uh, too many limitations on how one can make great music, but yeah. I agree. When you're with someone, you're knowing them, you're feeling the chemistry, you know, it's like when you practice, when you practice and get in the game, you play better, generally speaking, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I want to bring in a few voices here that are uh, on Facebook with us tonight. My man, Marcus. What's up, Marcus? He's always tuning in. I really appreciate you, Marcus. He's asking, what artists do you look up to, Amir? Oh, today? Um, I look up, man, to, um, do they have to be alive? Or, you know, uh, you know, so I'll say, I'll say, before, I was a fan of Nipsey, man, way before, when on Bullets Got No Name mixtape, right? And it wasn't about his lyrical prowess, it was more or less what he stood for, like, outside of the gang culture, I, I saw through that and I heard a man that understood direction. Um, so he was one one person I was listening to before, you know, his um, untimely demise, right? Um, I've also been a fan of like Nas, Kendrick, Jay, Kanye. I'm definitely a Griselda fan. Um, um, it's just I'm a, bro, I'm, I'm really outcast. I like I like a bunch of artists, man. I look up to anybody that has that has made an impact in the culture and they didn't compromise the integrity of who they were as a person because it takes a lot to stand in front of mics and not lose yourself when people want you to be something because they like seeing you that way as opposed to how you like seeing yourself. Um, but those are just the name of a few, man. I, I mean, I'm a Raekwon fan. I'm a Raekwon and Ghost out of the Wu-Tang. I like the whole Wu, but Ray and Ghost is somebody I look up to. I like this. I always like this style, man. Um, damn, so, bro, it's a bunch of artists, West Coast artists. I've always liked... Um, Everybody out of that Drake camp to me was always fly. He always he knew he knew how to pick them, man. Yeah, um, and uh, just you know, and even when I think I like Rick Ross too, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Ross. Um, a bunch of guys, man, like J Cole, like you know, and I don't and I like trap stuff too. So it's not like I'm just on some you know this you know. I like I mean I like I like a lot of it. Um, um, lately, Meek. Drake, of course, you know, those type of guys that actually, um, but that kid Vori out of his camp, the R&B guy, man, and a, a very dope mixtape. Vori stuff is tough. Um, I like Sampa from overseas. It's a bunch of artists, man. I like have a wide range of stuff. I like uh, Tame Impala. You know, I like, you know, different genres of music too, so. Yeah, that's dope. I love hearing when artists, uh, you know, like a wide range. Mm -hmm. And I also I really love when artists come on here, um, you know, that 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 give newer artists a chance and appreciate what they bring to the table, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Pushes, well, thank. What's that? That pushes everything forward. That evolution got to take place. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Profound, anything on your on your head before we move forward? Any thoughts, questions? Nah, man, I'm we, we good, man. I love this brother, man. I, I look, I'm I'm writing down who you know who who his favorite artists are: Nas, Kendrick, Griselda, Outkast, Jay, Ghost, Ray, Dre, Rick Ross, J. Cole. Yeah, I'm on it. 
thank you, man. I'm feeling. I'm. I'm. I'm feeling that. I mean, you know, I. I think one thing is, it's hard to not mention Griselda. <laughs> hey man, them it's cats, been, man. It's been an interesting, a very interesting Griselda year for me since signing the Pete. Because people have made um that I always even in interviews, I mean we didn't get to it yet, but people in most interviews always mention so people compare you to, you know, put you in the same lane as a Griselda artist. And I'm like, uh I can see how, but then again, I understand like if they're talking from a hip hop purist standpoint, I could see why they would do that. Um, people even I did an interview before, and this guy was talking to me about, you know, their top five or top ten new lyricists in hip hop for 2021, and they were mentioning. Um, they always ask me that question, like, "How do you feel about it?" Or people compare you to them, and not them as far as just what you're saying, but the the texture of your music is a little bit more smoother, but you kind of give elements of that vibe to your stuff. And um, and um, I take it as a compliment, man. Anytime somebody, if anybody's doing great or good music, regardless of what the context of what they're saying, the music feels good and it feels like it's real. So I, I, I respect it. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. I yeah. think what people, I think people kind of get it a little bit confused. To me, it's more like, I don't think y'all are, alike more so than I see how y'all's music have touched the soul of the people. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, I think people are, I think that's what they should really say is that y'all are, you know, I get that. I get the, why they would compare it. But to me, it's just like, man, y'all are touching people's souls in a way that music hasn't touched it, you know, in a, in a, in a minute. So to them, it, it seems like it's the same. But it's yeah, it's the same because your soul is being touched, but mm -hmm. the frequencies are different. Yes, thank you. I know that's probably the I'm gonna use that when I go forward from now. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah, I gotta take that. You can take it with you, brother. Because I, I I didn't package it like that before. I, I really didn't know how to package it. Um, but take the time. It's just yeah, there was you know dudes who talk about lyricism and I'm like you know and I, and I don't want to get into all of the isms with people when they do that. I'm like, bro, that's I'm not in control of how someone feels after I say it. And I have to learn that too. I don't own how you feel after I say it. I did my part. The energy, I guess you could say, flew, went through me. I said what I said. How somebody feels about it, good, bad, or indifferent, is not for me to to squander in. It's now it's time for me to move forward and speak to the same five people and keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. So I, I assume uh with you know this new uh Pete Rock uh deal. I, I assume people have been hitting you up more. You've probably been doing more interviews. No, uh, yes and no, man. I think, you know, some people are still uh, maybe scared, you know, hesitant at this point. I feel a little bit. I definitely, the interviews have definitely, definitely picked up, but they haven't hit the point where I'm like every night. There was a time even when I was signed before, um, me and my brother was on the ground with my brother, Jay, man. Success Jay, we was, we, we're booking interviews ourselves. Like we didn't care, you know, how we turned over every rock man to get, you know, at least some, some, the wave going. And, um, I think now because people know who, who you are attached to, they may think that you won't do the interview. And I would, I mean, it's a conversation. This is what life is about. And like you said, it's a human point, humanistic standpoint here. 
outside of the music, we're human beings first. The music is, is an added element. So I think having these conversations are very, it's enriching, you know, for us, for, to the fiber of my person, but also just for the people getting to know who I am and you guys as well. So, and your audience. So yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, thank you for being here. Is there a, is there a question that you've ever thought like, man, I, w- I wish someone would ask me about this. I wish they'd ask me this question, but they never do. Um, a lot of the current events, I don't care which one it is. You know, I'll be ready, man. Like, so I was like be, talking about current events. I like to talk about whatever, you know, is I got to use my noodle to think about it. You know what I'm saying? Some of the questions be cookie cut. And like I said, more conversational interviews have always been um, more impactful. You know, the Q&A stuff is always love, man, because you, you're getting introduced to an audience. But when those questions force you to have, like, conversational uh, answers, not just yes, no, I'm from here, I did this, you know, I grew up, my hood is this, I'm this, you know, that's those, it's an interview, yeah, but is it as intriguing as, like, us having conversations about conversations, you know? Um, there's an element to it, and interviews do have a thesis. And uh, um, so I will, say, I will say for me, um, anything dealing with, you know, people scared to talk about COVID, people scared to talk about the hot topics of, you know, um, sexuality or, you know, cancel culture, uh, stuff like that, and ask which those type of questions I feel should be, you know, uh, pitched to artists that have the mental capacity to uh, answer the question um, in a manner where they don't put themselves in the blender and the label they hold down and everything attached to them. So there's a certain, like I said, there's a certain uh, weight that comes with responding to that. And if you're equipped to respond to it, I think, you know, I don't think any question anybody's going to ever ask me on in the interview would ever rattle me to the point where I just would lose my cold and, uh, and jump up and, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, you know, but yeah, I guess to the short thing, we're like, yeah, ask me. Okay, man, what do you think about cancel culture and everything that it's entailing? You know, um, those type of questions. What do you think about, you know, vaccination? What do you think about things that actually are happening to us that touch the soul on a day to day? Things that have touched, affected everybody on this conversation's life. Man, um, those type of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, dope. Let's go there. Because um, you mentioned, mentioned cancel culture. Um, do you, do you think it's a real thing? Do you think cancel culture is real? What do, I mean, what, how do you describe it? And what do you think about it? There's no head person of the cancel culture, right? There's no, like, you can't say you're the chairman of the cancel culture board. There's not that. There's a group of people that share a, a, a common belief, and that belief may be anything from sexual preference to uh, religious preference, and they'll do it in the name of cancel culture when the cancel culture is just this uh, ideology that we've created, right? Or someone created and said, cancel them because you talked about somebody being gay or transgender or cancel him because he says something that's anti-Semitic. Cancel him because he says something about black people or black women. Cancel them because of X, Y, Z, right? And I think there needs to be, some of it is, yeah, I don't, should be, um, parameters should be set, right, around certain plaf- 
platforms when you're speaking about certain things. If that person is not equipped to have that conversation, they should have known, right? Have better practice at the will driving those conversations. But there's also a constitutional right that's involved. There's an ethical and a moral dilemma in cancel culture that is not being uh, put on the scale here, right? Whether you agree with it or not, you don't have to listen to what someone says. You don't have to watch Netflix to see what Dave Chappelle said or didn't say, right? If you don't like him talking about that, don't watch it. If, you know, um, he made a lot of like damn near geniusly timed uh, jokes that anybody with any level of consciousness or human understanding from kindergarten up to doctorate level degrees should have been able, he made it palatable and he put it in a place where now those conversations, you took a mirror and put it back on your face. Yeah, you can cancel people personally, but you can't cancel them in their entire way of living. Now, some people do deserve to be mandated, um, not mandated, let's say reprimanded for said actions because there is a level of uh, responsibility that comes when you're on certain stages and you say things that are derogatory or offensive, right? That's not a law. Offen offensively saying something, you didn't break the law, right? You broke ethical and moral code. And each person's ethical and moral code is different. There's a staple to say these 10 principles are ethical and more morality of what we all live by. It's not that. Each person is going to have a different definition. So therefore, you're going to have a different reason why everybody should be canceled. Somebody may hear what I'm saying, I'll cancel him too, because he didn't disagree or did he, he didn't take the stance. He's, no, I'm not. I'm just telling people that there's a certain power and um, freedom. But if your freedom impedes or hurts mine, then we need to have a discussion about what if what you're doing is it really freedom. Because now it can be considered an act of terror to some people. So I do believe that um, people you use these loaded terms, but they don't do the research behind what things mean. Because there are a lot of nuances that are tucked underneath these movements that people don't study the fiber of who's doing what and why these things are being uh, perpetuated to popular culture. Um, and there needs to be a, um, you know, a round table, but this round table can't be held with politicians. Yeah. This, this round table is between corporations and people because corporations are doing the canceling because they don't want to lose what? The bottom line is the money. Cancel culture is not motivated by feelings. It's motivated by loss of money. End of the day, you follow the money. Who want to lose it? They're going to cancel you. I'm not going to lose my money canceling. We don't want to be tied to that person anymore. So it's not cancel culture to me. It's money culture. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that. It, it, my brother, he like, he like, hey, I... <laughs> <laughs> you, right, you right on it, man. Yeah. You right on it, man. It's right there. Yeah. So... It, it, when someone, you know, says something, tweets something, whatever, that is uh, ill-informed or racist or bigoted or what, ha what have you, and I feel like there's two things. There's there's the idea that's presented, and then there's the person. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what cancer culture does is like throws the baby out the bathwater type of thing. I feel like we needed some sort of like relationship culture, you know, where it's like, all right, you said this terrible thing. This is why I find it terrible and have a, you know, have a conversation, you know, I, I just don't like the idea of canceling a human being, you know, human beings can't, they, they have the capacity. We have the capacity to learn, to grow, you yes. know, 
And um, I don't think cancel culture sets up that opportunity for that growth. You know, it, 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 it does the opposite. I would think it's, 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 it's counterproductive. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I'm not one to borrow uh, shattered facts and run with it. But for people, you mentioned communication, right? Um, I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. And this is my subjective view of life when it comes to people. Today's world, we have a lot of, a lot. I'm not giving a specific number. There's a lot of people that have an over, there's overdeveloped, I overdeveloped, there's underdeveloped people with overdeveloped ideas of who they are. This creates that friction, that gray area of communication, right? Because now they may not understand certain verbiage that you're using. They may not understand that this word is not offensive. They're using things out of context. I see people every day talk about algorithms and don't even know what it is. It is it's not an algorithm that's happening to you, but people do this all the time. So there's a bunch of people running around throwing words out because they heard it via social media or YouTube and they use it like a loaded gun, hoping it makes hoping that you don't that you are not intelligent or smart enough to either pounce on it or to calmly uh de-arm that, right? And to, and make it a teachable moment. Some people will take it to be predatory. Some people learn a new word and they run out. And this, like the last two years, we've seen a lot of people run with this word space. It's a safe space. Space and Clubhouse had a major impact on entrepreneurship, and but it's also a breeding ground for predators, right? For people that prey on what people don't know. A lot of people giving out fake crypto information. I see rappers and artists standing in front of mics giving shattered facts daily, and nobody says a word. So, um, I, I I personally think that. There's a, there needs to be a certain level of accountability and we need to check people's credentials when they get telling us things, but we don't, we should, instead of checking credentials, we'll check their likes. Mm. That's <laughs> real. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea. I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about this. You said mm -hmm. under underdeveloped people with overdeveloped ideas, who they are. Yes. That's deep. I'm going to be, I'm going to be meditating on that one. And <laughs> I like oh, take what he said with me. You can take that with me. <laughs> I'm going to take that with me. Yeah, we, we traded there. <laughs> and you also mentioned shattered facts a few times. I like that imagery too, or that description, yeah. shattered facts. It's partially true, but it's true because it motivates what they're saying. It powers it, but they're not telling. It's like somebody taking a passage out the Bible, but they take three lines, three words out of this passage, but they didn't read the beginning and the end. It just took the part that powers what their current argument or stance is in a, in a conversation. It happens daily. We don't, there's not a lot of fact checking. And Google doesn't always, there's honeypots on Google that doesn't always give you the right facts either. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I've just learned how to, to, to deal with this, bro. It's, 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 it's a layered conversation, but mm. have it, I think that people, need to have a certain level of honesty of where they're at because the brain is a muscle and if people are not exercising it, they won't be able to have certain conversations with you. Yeah. So moving on to something uh, more controversial. <laughs> um, vaccinations. Um, yeah. I'm curious to know, how, do you, how have you uh, responded to all the vitriol and the back and forth? I mean, I see it in hip hop. There's hip hop cats out there saying, 
you know, one saying one side and going back and forth. Go ahead. We, we know Pete is one of those guys that let's put him because he, he does it a lot, right? I I personally um health information to me and your stance on what you want to do with your body is just as private as your social security number to a man. What I choose to do or not do, if I'm vaccinated or not, it's not anybody's business, right? But if I get into the spot, then you can probably know, oh, he must be vaccinated. I'm still going to tell you. I'm like, yeah, you know. I wouldn't tell you it's for religious reasons, non-religious, because once you start making your personal health information, public information, it's already a violation of HIPAA, right? There's compliance. They're mandating this thing, yes, but there's also a violation of privacy, whether you choose to get it or not. Now, if somebody's not at work anymore, clearly, you know, they didn't get the shot. But I don't feel like a regular person needs to know your business of if you have the shot or not. And if you choose to, you know, give up that information openly to the public, you need to be ready to receive public scrutiny for how you stand. That's simple human arithmetic and engagement and conversation. Me, you know, my stance is I under, I'm, I'm not really for or against it. You know, I, I really like some people have different circumstances. Women who are breastfeeding can't take it, right? Because they just can't take it because they're breastfeeding. There's certain medical exemptions that you can't take it because it will put you in a, it'll compromise the posture of your health. There's other people who can take it and it won't do that. Right. So I don't think it's a one shoe fit all type of a situation. But if you can get it and it's beneficial to you and your family to feed or to keep you everybody healthy, go get it. If you don't think it's healthy, then you don't have to get it. I'm not going to I'm not judging you if you get it or if you don't get it. I, I think it's just your business. Right? And if you like I said, you want to make it public, we prepare for public scrutiny. You want to keep it private, have those conversations in private with people you love and that is actually going to affect. But even with the whole Kyrie thing, um, I do think that his public um, stance should have been a little bit more polished, a little bit more clever, a little bit more thought out. Um, and I did, I do understand that he said he wanted it to be natural, which is, you know, his prerogative. But there's certain he he, he was very clever. People forget that this man went to Duke University. He's not a dummy, right? Far from it. He's hyper intelligent because he understands his position on the chessboard and money is not the motive here at this point for him. I don't know what it is. I'm not qualified to say what it is, but clearly there's a high level of intelligence and understanding that he has that he's not divulging or giving up to the public. So when I think about vaccination and to do it or not, if you got to, if it's going to help you feed your family or, you know, take care of you or keep you alive, then, you gotta make. You have to make that decision. But even after you get it, I don't think you should. You have. You know, have to tell the person next to you if you got it or not. You know, people who need to know should know. And in any company, your vaccination records have always been private. That's not right. something put on a public stage. So, social media, once again, and corporations and no big pharmaceuticals and et cetera, have almost. Um, sensationalized 
the conversations around uh, vaccination or lack of a vaccination. And because it, as long as the word is keep going, if you, like I said, you follow back to the money, who's getting paid for it. So I think when it's all said and done, a documentary comes out next five to 10 years, remember this conversation, right? That once they follow the money trail, we will know the truth, like as to why some people said something, some people didn't, who knew this and who didn't know that. Um, and this is just the mere theory on it. No, this is not law, right. but, but I do believe that, you know, some things ain't for everybody to know about, you know? Well, you, you brought up, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, regardless of whatever he does or whatever he says, I will always appreciate that man for hitting that three pointer to beat <laughs> Golden State. Being, I've, I've lived in Ohio for almost 20 years, man. I was I was just hoping for my Ohio brothers and sisters that Cleveland would get a victory. So, Kyrie Irving, thank you for hitting that shot, man. That was an amazing shot. Listen, bro, yeah. and I'm always serious like that. I get it, man. Listen, dude, if they want to, you know, people have fun with your life, man. Like, you know, it's life is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to feel so pensive and dark and morbid, you know. Um, and I think that. You know, the last two years have put us in a position where people are reflecting a lot more about data that, you know, your your more the conversations about mortality are real, like, you know. So your time here is a blip in the universal scheme of how the grand, how big and vast things outside of this planet are. Like there'd be a blip, bro. Don't let nobody f up your blood, man. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> you know, it, it's I. It's, some people might find that to be like, well, you know, what is the point? Life is meaningless. That blip idea. But for me, I get so excited with that mm -hmm. idea. It's like, I'm man, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, and it just it, it puts everything in perspective. Like I was thinking about this the other day. I I forget. Oh, it was money. It was some money. There was something around the house that broke down. We had to spend a bunch of money on it, and. And I just stopped and I thought like, man, think about all the people like me in the house next door and the house next door and the apartment next door and around the corner and, you know, on the south side and in this city and that city and this country and this country. We all we all have things that hit us every day, you know, mm -hmm. all and there's just billions of us. And it's like in the grand scheme of things, is this one little issue about money that's not going to kill us? Is it? It doesn't even matter. You know, it just brings perspective to me to where it's like, I don't need to stress about this thing. I can, yeah. like you said, I can have fun. I can just enjoy life and not stress about this thing. You know, just, it brings me perspective to enjoy life. Man, it's, yeah. it's intense, man. But, you know, to me, Kyrie, you know, I don't know how this is going to play out for him, but you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, man. And the average person is like, yo, it's the money. But I, I respect his I respect a man standing on his values and his integrity, man. That's deep to me. It's a, it, it's deep. It's super deep. And I think, and to be honest, the money definitely makes it deeper for me. Like, damn, he's walking away from because I'm thinking from where I'm at, a couple hundred million. You know, things is a different motion out here, right? Um, Kanye's worth seven billion. People don't have that conversation with him about it, right? That's crazy. There's a lot of people that are not having that conversation. They're smart for not having it because they're keeping it private. Yeah, that's pretty Pri smart. We're in an age where privacy is power. Hmm. And really, really understand those three words. Privacy is power in 20 in, in the technology era. Yeah, 
I like, I like, I like that. I'm going to be reflecting on that too. Yeah. Write that down profound. You get that? <laughs> yep. I did. <laughs> I saw the pain. Privacy is power, man. <laughs> well, listen, man. I, I do want to uh, kind of you turn back a little bit to the music. Uh, one current event uh, musically going on this Sunday is the big battle. KRS one going up against big daddy Kane. We got to get a mirror on record. Who do you think is going to pull it out? Nah, we got to get him a disclaimer first. Oh, the disc. Okay, get the disclaimer. Man, Amir, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna say the right thing. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Um, it's a victory for hip hop. I'm gonna go political on okay. this. Thank you. Ah, yeah, he been saying it. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> Get Daddy O on here. He would not accept that answer. You know, not accept it. Dad, we had Stetson Sonic but, on here last week. But, we had some fun with this question. But I will say this. My philosophy. That record is crazy, bro. That is I forgot to write that record down, man. Karis wants lyricism. Kane slick and smooth. This is two different kung fu styles fighting against each other, man. And it's not even a fight. It's just showing the culture where a lot of these other rappers got their style from. This is Master Yip fighting the Northerner man in the first uh, Ip Man. Yes. Yeah. This 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 is this yeah. is gonna be pretty interesting, yeah. man. Because you think Kane had what Jay on Jay Z under him? Uh, people forget AZ is a student of Big Daddy Kane. People forget the artist that he, out of Brooklyn, that he helped shape the lot, right? The Bronx, KRS-One, right? The home of hip-hop. He sticks to those core hip-hop values. Yeah, I can't wait. Chicken and watermelon. Talk broken English and drug selling. Come on, like, like we, this is the teacher, man. This is KRS, man, you know? You know, he had joints that... Kane records shook, but I'm going to keep it a buck. KRS-One definitely, I think, stayed more relevant because he kept putting out music in, a, in the name for the love of the culture. So I think his popularity may, be, may exceed Kane's popularity. Bro, he has over 25 albums, man. He has a lot of albums. Come on, man. But like you said, Amir, it's a win for hip-hop. And what I love about it, I remember getting into the uh, battle scene um, years ago, you know, I'll go to battles with friends and stuff. And I don't know, pretty quickly, I was just like, ah, this scene, I'm not really into this because it was, it was just like, who had the better, um, you know, attacks on the other MC. It was just like mama jokes and which, you know, I mean, whatever, but I was just like, this isn't. And I remember I had a buddy and he would never do that. He would just straight rhyme. He wouldn't even talk about the other cat in the battle. And he'd win some because he was just so dope. And he was like, that's what it's about. It's about being dope. And that's what I like about a lot of these battles. It's like, it's not about attacking the other guy. It's about celebrating each other's, you know, contribution in their catalog. And there really is, I mean, you know, people. Because people forget the original thing was the producers doing it. Mm. When this verse started, it wasn't an artist, nothing. Right. It was, it was producers going at each other. I mean, it was Timbo and Swiss talking crazy to each other because they were bored during the quarantine. They find a way to, to monetize it. Somebody, like I said, if you follow the money in any of these corporate, go where it's quiet at, man. The news is where it's quiet at, bro. 
They're not talking about nothing no more. They don't even talk about it for the culture. They just tell people to do it. Mm. You don't know what percentage they're getting off of the deals or artists are getting paid to do it or then they get residual income because their stream spike, right? Sales may increase, so it's a quick payout. But ultimately, bro, um, KRS one versus Big Daddy King, you know, and you don't know who they're gonna who they're gonna pull out. You know, people forget. Then King have he had Mad Ism too. Like I mean, uh, KRS one. I just know Channel Live. Channel Live. I saw him last week too in DC. Hakeem. Um, uh, I ain't gonna front, man. If you get a chance, go watch that my philosophy video tonight, man. I just I just never forget, like, yo. I saw drug dealers. I, 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 and this is what I said. Like that was, that was the first time in my life I saw flying drug dealers with, with the Jordans on and the trenches on, and the big chains. And it just looked, it messed up my life, man. Like when I saw that view, I said, "Yo, this is, he's on a jeep, black and white." And I saw the, my sister put me onto this, and I'm watching. I'm like, "Yo, this is, what is BDP?" I didn't even know BDP. I just saw the leather jackets with the BDP on the back. I said, yo, this is... I just kept watching this video on repeat. I recorded it on a VCR tape and just... It was crazy to me. I may lean towards KRS because I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but then Kane had records that I had to go study. These two artists are artists that my sister put me on to. But I definitely... Um, ain't no half stepping was Kane's one of his hugest records, right? I get raw, ain't no half stepping. Um, smooth, smooth operator, those are the three. After that, I don't know anything about his catalog. There's no disrespect, but KRS got joints. KRS got to do one song only every time, anytime you in anybody's hip hop club. Bridges they over. played it, and you know that you know it. They played the bridges over. It's done. <laughs> done. He let alone step into the world. Like, come mm. on, man. Like, you can't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The P is free. Come on, bro. Yeah. Like, well, how? I mean, it was another record he had about um MCs act like they don't know that, that the primo beat. He was talking about his brother and. He said, now this week, you know, he was outside hustling. He came back into the crib. Love's going to get you. Love's going to get you, yeah. Love's going to get you. storytelling. Look, man. come on, man. Nine millimeter goes, nine, man. I'm sorry, <laughs> Kane. I love you, man. I'm sorry, man. Dang, man. I'm sorry, man. I just, I'm just imagining being in that place and every record that KRS-One is going to play you know he gonna freestyle at some point, but every record he gonna play, that place is gonna go up. I'm not gonna front, but my philosophy come on, bro. I'm gonna lose my mind. Like that record is, I, the video is crazy. It's just everything about it. Like the way he was walking. I mean, that record to me was like for the road on steroids when I seen that shit. It, it just, it messed up my life, bro. Like you gotta understand, I saw, it was crazy. It was the Jordans. He had the three. The, it was crazy. It was crazy, me. It was crazy. Damn. And I said, yeah. "Till we need to do live commentary that night, man." Oh, man. that would be dope, man, yeah, bro. At least, at least, at least thirty, forty minutes and getting to. It. 
Yeah, don't don't do a disservice to the hip hop community, man. Y'all need to do that, man. Yeah, that'd be dope. That would be dope. Yeah, I think we got we gonna have to look at something. We got to do something, man. Yeah, we'll figure that out. All right. So speaking of hip hop, uh, we I want to read this quote uh, that I saw in your timeline on Twitter, uh, and then show some some appreciation appreciations for some really dope albums. Uh, on Twitter, you put, I love hip hop. I live it. I study it. I continue to evolve in it. I will always approach each bar with the passion of life. Mm. That's such a dope quote. Uh, love that. So with that passion in mind, want to play a little game uh, tonight. We call one word. Uh, I will show you an album cover. I'll name it for our podcast listeners. And uh, you, you get one word or as profound says one word or less to describe the album. I'm not sure how you do it in less than a word. I guess facial expressions. I don't know. Uh, one word to describe this album. The first one is Do or Die by AZ. Classic. Classic. That's my bro, too. That's the bro. He first take me on tour with AZ. A word. Mm -hmm. What did you uh, think about his new album? I went to the listening party. I went over there. It was five. Yeah, I like that album. I like Crazy. that. Yeah. All right. Next one. Underrated too. Definitely underrated. Yeah. 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 He's such a phenomenal MC. All right. Next one. We got a uh, one for all by Brand Nubian. Hometown heroes, man. Nine one four, man. You know. I'm just gonna say nine one four is a word. Westchester. You know. That's it. All right. We're gonna mix it up. Go to the West Coast. A very different style. This is "Damn" by Kendrick Lamar. The word I'm gonna use is damn. <laughs> it's the perfect way for the production, all the way down to the craftsmanship. That's that record. I make it look sexy. It was so many. It was that thing was carefully. And you know what? I didn't realize until a couple of albums in that Dre had his hands in a lot of Kendrick's albums. I was I, I wasn't I was clueless. I'm like, why does this shit sound so crazy? Dre was in there with him, man. So. And and the thing about Kendrick that he just has such versatility like within the songs, you know. So it's just he's so creative. And that last song, Duckworth, I think is the name of it. The Ooh. last song, man, that's storytelling on there. And yeah, that's that's an amazing story. All right, back to the East Coast. We got diplomatic immunity by the diplomats. Arsonist, my brother. Oh, that's right. Heat makers is all over this, right? Yeah, yeah, arsonist, man. I'm a one word for that's arsonist. That's it. Arsonist. Okay. How many is it heatmakers? Is it two? It's one. It's two in the beginning. It was actually three in the beginning. You had pop, you had thriller, and arsonist. You know, um the one member ended up going, you know, on his own, so they still kept the heatmakers brand. Thriller and arsonist was still doing records maybe, maybe ten years ago. I don't know where they at now, but then it just evolved into being arsonist. He just kept the brand of the heat makers a lot was one person now yeah okay that's dope they made some dope stuff all right this is uh king push darkest before dawn the prelude by Bushy t damn this record man love man love i love yeah, I, I really like this album uh okay we're going into the bonus round for the bonus round i'm going to show you two uh two covers and instead of describing, the question is, which album resonates with you more today in 2021? All right. Which album resonates with you more and why? All right. On this side, we have AT Aliens by Outkast. 
And on this side, we have Equimini by Outcast. Equimini. Ah, Equimini. All right. Why Equimini? Oh. Equimini, because I think they, they expanded and was more mature, right? The mm -hmm. The soundscapes were a lot more experimental, but they used more instrumentation on this album. Like it was very like it was carefully a lot. I think a lot more um, the craftsmanship from lyric to production. This album to me is where you could see Dre and Big Boy were able to um, stand as solos on a record but together you, you realize why they were so special together but he he could have did one half he could have done the other half it still would have been a fire album right like the love like the hate above and love below like but that equipment had she lives in my in my lap was on there and a few other records that i thought was like extremely crazy that scoot on the barbie man that yeah. raekwon verse on there I've, I've always loved that raekwon and uh, yeah, I agree. I think this is a phenomenal. I, I might like AT Aliens a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It might be just nostalgia. I don't know like the, the experiences I was having with it, but I think this is their best album, analytically speaking, just yeah. for reasons you said, just so musical. So, all right, la last, this is the, the last part of the double round, the bonus round, rather. And all right, on this side, we have Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg. And over here, we have The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Which one resonates more with you in 2021? Doggy style, man. Oh, doggy style. Why so? It's not a it, it's not a better produced album than a chronic. But that joint right there, you you see more doggy style t-shirts on people than you see chronic doggy style album. It's become like a like the ACDC t-shirt. That album mm. is now like a, in skateboard shops. It's in hot topic. That cover is now like it that is Snoop in his purest form to me. I love, love, I love his rhyme cadence, his approaches and the album, even today, man, when I throw that on today, I, I, I get that feeling like, damn, Snoop. Snoop is one of those guys, man. It reminds you of how great him and Dre were together. And honestly, it's honestly what I, I mean, I'll, and I pray that when people look back at what me and Pete do, they will compare what me and Pete have done with Dope Boy Soul to something like a doggy style. That, those records, albums like that is what I strive to, you know, um, to create with him, you know, because I know that those albums are not just albums. Those are fixtures and bricks in the foundation as this thing continues to grow. These are bricks and that we on the wall of hip hop. So yeah. and him and Dre together was incredible. So if people feel the way about me with, with, with Pete that they felt with Dre and Snoop, I'll be okay. Yeah, no, that'd be phenomenal, man. That'd be super dope. Do you have a, um, do you tend to have a favorite album of all time? Or do you just have so many that you just can't name one? Only built for Cuban links, man. Mm. Every car I have ever bought in my life, I go buy a only built for Cuban links CD. And I put it in the glove compartment. It's good luck. Man. I don't know what I does. I don't care what the car is. I'm Wait, going you... to buy a Q I'm going to buy only built for Cuban links. Put it in the glove. It has to be in the car. I, I don't <laughs> I have to put it in there. It's like the emergency music. If I can't get Wi-Fi, I know what I'm throwing on. 
this is going to get played. So, so every time you buy a car, you go out and also buy Cuban links. Absolutely. That is, <laughs> that is so awesome. My, That's my great. Brother, he thinks I'm bunged out for that. He's like, yo, you're going to buy, you're going to he said, you must be going to the CD. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'll order it. I've, I got to find it and put it in the car. That's great. Are there CD stores uh, in New York City? To order that joint. You got to either order it or you're just going to have to go search for it now. You may catch hey. not going to get it at Best Buy or nothing. You, sometimes you get lucky. Everybody's records here in Cincinnati. We actually yeah. got a few record stores here. Uh, you can find stuff like Actually, I found it there. I, I bought got it. I had it pulled out. Yeah, there it is. I bought this copy, actually, because I had a copy. I didn't. I didn't get a new car and got a new one, but I just, my you old see, copy was all. All work like certain albums when you see it is, it give you a feeling because you know, yeah. like that was his solo album, but his man is in the back. You see, Ghost, him and Ghost was like a package deal. You know what it when you saw them on that cover, you knew what it was. When you saw Iron Man and you seen Ray on the cover with Ghost, you knew that this was special. You knew that. Yo, so uh, this, I don't have these here, but I am curious. Are you uh do you lean Iron Man or Supreme Clientele? Or are they equal in your mind? Apollo Kids is on Supreme Clientele, right? Yes. It's tough, man. <laughs> Iron Man Big Big Doe Rehab. That's dope too. But Iron Man. No, I'm going to go with Iron Man because it set the foundation, man. It did. It set a tempo. It set the tempo. The Iron cover man, was crazy. Bro, I colorful, fly. They had to, you know, I, I just, yo, I'm going to keep it a buck, man. The rule, the red ghost out of the, I'm going to give him method, man, to me. The most colorful, vibrant personalities out of the whole team was those three guys. Not saying the other guys are lesser, but to me, they spoke, they, like everybody had people in the Wu Tang they wanted to be like. I wanted to be like them, man. I ain't go front, bro. Rain Ghost, that was it. You can't. I would fight somebody about that. Like physically get upset. Like you're not talking about them in front of me, disrespectful. You're not disrespecting Rain Ghost. My brother would tell you that. I mean, was. I love them, man. Yeah, they're they're two of the, or you know, one of the dopest duos ever for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, Amir, man, I really appreciate you coming and spending time with us. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, how do you like people to follow you uh, online? Well, on uh, Instagram, um, it's Amir, A-M-X-X-R, A as in Apple, M as in Mike, X-X-R. Um, on Twitter, it's 25th Hour Man, number two to number five, T-H-H-O-U-R-M-A-N. And those are probably the two. Or you can just go to peacebeloved.com, find me on there, too. Um, and if you're looking for me on Apple Music and Spotify's AMXXR, I'm here. And, and before we go into our, our shout outs, I do want to say we didn't get into this, but um, you have a, a documentary, short documentary called yeah. Peace Beloved. Uh, mm -hmm. you can find it on YouTube. It's really, it's really interesting how it's done because, like, you have it's kind of like some music videos mixed in, and then it's like you talking, but then it's like, like they. Whoever produced it like sampled like just different people and different like quotes uh -huh. and saying. So it's like a it's like a hip hop documentary in its purest form. Who who put that together? Me and my friend SJ, my man, okay. shout out to SJ. We put that together. Um, just me and him. Um, those people you heard on the the, the Jamaican dude is called um you call him the general. Uh 
you know, he uh, he passed during COVID. Uh, voice that you heard on the joint. Um, him, my grandmother, she was in there. She passed a couple years back. Um, so that documentary to me, man, and then I, I recorded that, you know, Pete, that was the first um, co-sign that Pete gave me was, he presented Peace Beloved. Um, I recorded it with Arsonist. The whole thing was under the Heat Maker Studio. Um, he did some joints on there too. Um, SJ, you know, and I was still in school at the time. I was still at Fordham University. So it was just a very, um, that it was, it was, I'm glad I was, I'm thankful more now that I was able to document those things that were happening more so than it being super popular. Cause I, I do believe that once Dope Boy Soul hits and people go research them and they go look at, you know, Peace Beloved, the documentary, because a lot of people are running around saying, you know, beloved this, beloved that, but it was only, you know, one, I honestly, and there's no disrespect. I don't own the term, but Peace Beloved was always something I was just, I haven't had a title on my wrist for years, right? So um, New York City, the slang of beloved and all that, it was me, Loaded Lux, and maybe Raekwon, a few of us was talking like that. The people in New York City and New York know what it is, you know what I'm saying? And how the whole beloved movement or the popularity of the word, you know, started to spread to our hip hop. You know, um, I can't take ownership, but I was definitely at the forefront of that whole, you know, the peace beloved vibe. That's definitely me. Yeah, and, and real quick, if you got the time, what what is um, can you describe what that means to you, peace beloved? Um, well, beloved means I believe in you and I love you. To me, right? Peace is what I would wish anybody have peace of mind and know that I believe in you and I love you. So I wish that to to people humanity. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like, but. It doesn't mean that war is not necessary to fight for what you believe, but through peace, man, comes evolution because you're able to sit down and you learn and you absorb more. When you're frustrated, you can't really, you know, and when somebody believes in you and they love you or you feel loved and you feel believed in, you know, human beings have done some great things. So when I say peace, beloved, it's, it's more of a term of a what's up. It's like my way of saying it's a term of endearment. It's like when New York, God said, yo, son, what up? Like peace, beloved, is what I've been saying to people over a decade now. Uh, it's not it's not new to me, but and anybody that will see this will tell you, nah, man, really, he's that's he's he was that way in the barbershop. He was always my neighborhood was calling me your peace, beloved. They they'll tell you that for years. So you know, and I did feel crunchy when I saw certain artists tweeting it or put it on their page. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't on it like that. Like you know, that was my ego going into overdrive. But I had to check myself, and um, and me and Pete even talked about that. I see, you know, uh. Artists that have used the word on their projects, but a lot of people wasn't talking like that. They wasn't. If you look back in their catalog, they wasn't talking like that. It was only, it was me and Loaded Lux. That was it. That's dope. I, I like the sound of it. Yeah. Um, that's super dope, man. And he, was, goes, he was saying, Beloved, I was always peace, beloved, as a greeting, you know. And he, he did it. He was joking about it on the battle. But people knew that when I said peace, beloved, it was like, it was almost. You know, a lot of people thought I was a five percenter because of the way I would, you know, carry myself. But I, you know, because I knew a lot of those guys and those teachings. But peaceful lover was my way of just, you know, a way of life, a way of thinking. Like I said in the in the documentary, yeah, yeah. So if you, what's that? It's a it's a state of mind, you know. Yeah, I love that. And if you all want to um learn more about that, check out the documentary Pete Rock. You just type in Pete Rock presents Peace Beloved on YouTube, done very well, very artistic. You can get a little bit more into the mind of Amir on uh, the whole Peace Beloved vibe. So check that out, please. If you've not heard 21 Grams yet, 
Go find it. It's out there on the internet and download it. Listen to it. Uh, I, I'm sure the vinyl sold out. Is the vinyl sold out? I don't even know. I didn't even check. I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure it's tough. If it's not sold out, it, it's down to his last leg. But I'm I know Pete usually moves those vinyls move when his name is on it. So yeah. So if you want a vinyl, uh, go to True Soul Records. So search True Soul yeah. Records. Or you can go to Vinyl Index. Vinyl.com has it as well. I'm surprised. Or in out of Cincinnati, you don't have it. Man, Ohio should have it. That's I talked to, to Dex or somebody about that. Somebody need to make that happen, man. Definitely, we definitely need to get some comments. Put a few pieces out there for sure. Yeah, well, I we can get it to the store anytime. I, I was I was there today actually at the record store, uh, checking out some stuff. So yeah, we can make that happen for sure. So make sure you check out Twenty One Grams. Uh, find it, download it, buy it. Uh, get it and the new album dope boy so we don't know when it's coming out so we'll have to get it pete rock see if pete rock will come on and tell us when it's coming out uh but man we cannot wait to hear that i know that's going to be incredible uh so make sure you all uh stay on point keep on looking for that you know when we catch wind of it we'll be you know promoting it heavy i could we can do man and y'all review so i was like damn these they they really y'all really get in on it y'all really review review the projects and i, I respect that so thank y'all man for what y'all do because i think the art of being journalistic with uh art is 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 not respected the way it should be so understand that what y'all do is just as important as what an artist does because this is an art form itself so i appreciate Thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. So the last thing we do, Amir, is we give shout outs because it's a hip hop show. So why not give shout outs, you know? So we'll let you give the final shout outs here in just a moment. Uh, but I'll throw it to Profound. Profound, who you want to shout out tonight? Man, we'll give a shout out to Brother Amir, man, for coming through tonight, brother. Glad to meet you, bro. Uh, <laughs> man, you working with the big, the, the God uh, uh, of the SP-1200 and the NPC <laughs> and everything else, man. And, and your work is incredible, brother. And, and I wish you nothing but continued success on your journey. Um, Till, you know how we do, man. The the Boom Bat Chat crew, Till, Joe, Stowe, Bo, and Io. <laughs> you know, we got to shout them out. And man, my seeds as usual, uh, Amir, Zakir, Rosalina, Daima, Ariel, and Elijah, who just came in from football practice looking at me crazy. I'm coming, son. Um, you know, man, brother, and that's it, man. And, and just, you know, and, and shout out to peace and, and positivity, man, to humanity, like brother Amir said, man. And that I think that vibe doesn't get stressed enough, especially when we have dope MCs on, the, on, on this platform. The, you know that that live that code man because that's a strong code to live by and uh and i appreciate that man and, and you know that's how we do it man Thank yeah you. thanks profound uh definitely shout out to the boom bat brothers and uh everyone paying attention online marcus thank you for tuning in uh david thanks for tuning in uh let's see Lorenz, thank you for tuning in everyone that tunes into the podcast uh the boom bat chat really appreciate you all also, everyone, man, we put out this magazine in July or August, and people it keeps getting hits. Uh, we really appreciate you all going to the site and checking out the magazine. It's boombapmag.com. So people keep going there. We really appreciate that. Hope you enjoy it. Next Thursday, shout out Finale, who is a super dope MC, and uh, we're going to have him on here. Uh, so shout out to him. And shout out to our very own Joe November. He's in round three of the uh, Noir, Noir Grime uh, beat battle on Twitch. And so he's about to take this thing home, man. We're all rooting for you, Joe. 
Uh, really appreciate you and what you do. And obviously, last but not least, to you, Amir, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for your music. Uh, thank you for, you know, putting out thoughtful, uh, you know, challenging ideas, ideas that we're going to be reflecting on and uh, hopefully, you know, will make us better people. So we just appreciate that spirit about you. And uh, just thanks for your time and your energy tonight. Thank you guys, man, for real, man, for having me, man. I appreciate anybody that uh, takes the time to, to to even listen to the art, man. It's just, it's, that's, you can't put a price on that because we don't get that time back. So I really sincerely appreciate it. Cool. Thank you, man. Any uh, shout outs you want to give tonight, Amir? Of course, man. I'm going to shout out my brother, man, the, the big homie, man, Pete Rock, True Soul Records, the whole gang over there, the True the, 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 the Soul Brothers, man, Jermaine Holmes, Daru Jones, Marcus Machado, Big Yuki, Mono Neon, you know, uh, Chris McBride, um, all of the brothers over there, man, um, Brandon Newsom, uh, Dex, um, I'm over here now about with 88 Keys. I'm about to shout out, shout out to him for, you know, let me pull up. Um, shout out to my brother Arsonist, man. Shout out to Success J, the whole 914. My man SJ, I mentioned. Um, um, my man Shanghai, I've been working with him. G Weeks, Alpha Road Entertainment. Um, just a lot of the guys, man. I'm not forgetting anybody, man. My man Joshiel, too. I just met with him. We just about to link up and get some work done. Um, my man D in Albany. Uh, the whole 914, man, the whole hood, you know, uh, my mother, my family, everybody, man. Um, just, you know, I'm here, man. Thank y'all for having me, brother. And look forward to, you know, uh, just making my contribution in this thing called hip hop, man, and, and doing it the right way, you know, doing it the right way, the strong way, and having, you know, staying, sticking to my core values, man, and making sure that I don't waver in the face of not being liked or loved, you know what I'm saying? But just making sure I stand firm on that. So I pray that, you know, I continue this thing and do it the right way, man. Uphold the force, man, and for myself as well. So thank y'all for having me, brother. And as I always say, man, peace, beloved, you know? We always say peace, but on that note, we say peace, beloved. Yes, peace, sir. Peace, 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 beloved. Peace. Brother, peace, beloved. Yes, sir.